Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, today we, uh, we are starting a brand new series. And before I jump in, if you are new here, uh, one of these to call your attention to your program. Inside, there's a message note sheet that we use every week for our time of teaching. So you definitely want to pull that out. But uh, assuming that you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Y'all ready to go? Yeah. All right, let's pray. God, we're just uh, so thankful to be here, what you're doing in our church, the way you're waking us up, calling us on, teaching what it looks like to passionately pursue you in our life. And so we just want to welcome you today. We welcome you to this place. And we pray you'd come as our teacher, our Lord, our leader, our shepherd, and that you would guide us today as we start this brand new series. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, today uh, we are starting this brand new series. As you can see from the graphic, it's called Behind the Music, and it's a study in the book of Psalms. And, you know, the book of Psalms is one of the most popular books in all the Bible. My guess would be that for many of you, if I were to ask you, uh, what are your top five books of the Bible, favorite books, that many of you would say Psalms. In fact, how many would say that? Book of Psalms. Yeah, just a lot of you uh, would say that. I I was thinking about this weekend. I was at Corner Bakery yesterday in Simi, which is where I often spend time with God on Saturday mornings until one of you comes up and kind of says hi. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm I, uh, hanging out there. And uh, honestly, I always love that. I'm just teasing. But uh, we, well, I, you know, so I, I'm there and I've got my journals out and got my kind of iPad out and I'm ready to go. And, and all of a sudden, uh, it's like God has a different agenda for the day. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done that. Just kind of, you go to meet with God and all of a sudden something just starts like, boom, you know, here it is, a, a passage of scripture, something happens. And, and, and for me, it was like, uh, uh, all of a sudden, God began to take me on a journey and walk me through uh, what he's done in my life through the book of Psalms over my life. And, and all of a sudden, I was 17 years old again, and just kind of very critical time in my life where, where, where God was beginning to move and shape and begin to reveal who he was and the life he was calling me to. And, and, and I was all of a sudden taken back to the, that era of my life where, where God just shaped me so powerfully through the Psalms. You know, Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation of whom shall I fear? And he began to teach me that, that Mike, I know you've got a lot of enemies in your life. There's, there's a lot of things you cannot control. There's a lot of things that that you don't have the power to live or walk with me, but those are like your enemies. And and so whom shall I fear? Like, I will be your strength and I will be your fortress. And so Psalm 18, uh, I love you, O Lord. You're my strength, my fortress, my my strong tower. And God began to reveal himself to me who he was. And and then I mean the thing of Psalm 25 and during those years how God began to teach me the relationship that he calls us to as Christ followers has what I call two-way communication. It's not just we speak to God, but God speaks to us. And Psalm 25, where it says, who is the man who fears the Lord, he will confide in him. The secret of the Lord is with those who, who, who fear him. And, and so God began to reveal that he wanted to speak into uh, my life. Uh, I, I mean, think of uh, Psalm 139 during that same period of time where God began to speak that, and, and show me that he had a plan for my life and that he was present with me, closer to me than the air that I breathe. And, and so I'm before you and behind you. And I, 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 when, you, when, you, when you go out, when you come back, I'm always with you. And before there's a word on your tongue that I know it in every day that's of your life is written in my book before there was one of them. I began to think through, uh, uh, I came back how God has just so uh, changed my life with him in terms of 
the relationship that he calls us to and how radically honest it is and how the first step of a true relationship with God is learning to be radically honest, what we're thinking, what we're feeling, what we're experiencing. And, and the Psalms, how they, they were just like these incredible journals of these spiritual leaders who share the uptimes and the downtimes, their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their doubts, their anger, and, and how they modeled for me. This was the kind of relationship that God was calling me to. A relationship was real and honest and authentic and not fake and not superficial. And then I began to think through those times in my life where God used certain Psalms to speak into my life direction. I remember when Lynn and I were first dating and I was so much in love with Lynn and so much hoping this is what God had for me and, and my life. And, and, and you just, you know, you're in there, you're kind of grasping for it, you're trying to hold on to it, you're trying to make it happen. And, and God took me to Psalm 127 where it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. And he began to teach me that, Mike, when I give a gift, you don't have to grab it from me. If this is from me, you, you just have to receive it, that it will always be there, that you don't have to make it happen. I, all of a sudden, I was 23 years old again. I was sitting by the edge of the, uh, the, the river that runs through Knoxville, Tennessee. And I don't know what the name of the river is, but I was there. It was early morning. We were, we were uh, Lynn and I were married now. I was almost graduated from college. We were going to be uh, coming out to back to California uh, in a few months. And I'd been uh, already matriculated at Fuller Seminary to get my next degree, my Master of Divinity degree, and to head towards ministry. And I'm sitting out there that morning uh, by myself just reading in Psalm 127. It says, children are a gift from the Lord. And, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full. And in that moment, God spoke as he often does and just boom, downloaded that I knew at that moment that I wasn't to go to seminary, that I was to start a family. And, and so that that was his calling. And so I went home. I remember that day going home and telling Lynn, guess what? God spoke. We're supposed to start a family. And I remember what she said. Well, he's going to have to tell me too. Uh, and, and I remember, I remember two weeks later, I remember two weeks later, her getting out of the shower and says, God spoke to me. And I was in the shower and I, we are to start a family. And, and so we came back to California as two young kids. And everyone said, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do? You're graduated now. I said, I don't know. We're going to start a family. And so God began to, to shape in my heart young that my family was more important than ministry and that and that, that was a priority uh, for our lives. And then I think through the years, and I, I just think through um, the, the, how God has called out to me so many times, met me at times. I think of Psalm 45, where he's just challenged me to, to, to strap on my sword and to go out and fight the king's battles and to, and to take on the king's enemies and to lead the movement of Jesus where he's placed me. I think of so many times where in times of fear or times where uh, odds were against me, I think of Psalm 122, where it says, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. And so time and time again in my life, God, God has taken me back to the Psalms to shape, to direct, to mold, to direct. And of course, and then there's the famous Psalms, right? Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I will not lack anything in my life. He will lead, he will guide, he will protect, he will provide. And so, so my life has been so shaped. And my guess is many of your lives say the same thing. That many times how God has taken you back to, to challenge, to protect, to encourage, to drive you through the Psalms. And I'm so excited as we enter into an eight-week series on, on the Psalms. And so one of the things that a lot of people don't know about the Psalms is that the Psalms were originally meant to be sung. That's why we're calling the series Behind the Music. That actually in the, the word psalm comes from a Greek word, psalmos, which means song. 
And so these were originally kind of works of art, carefully crafted works of art to be used to sung, especially in the worship service of, of Israel. And there are many different kinds of Psalms. It's funny, when I was growing up and I would read the Psalms, I would kind of read them as if they were um, uh, almost like, you know, like you kind of picture David or whoever sitting under a hill with his sheep and he's got nothing else to do, so he's kind of writing out this song and just kind of, kind of making it up as he goes. It's kind of what my daughters used to call when they were growing up, shower songs. You know, the kind of songs you sing in the shower. You just kind of make them up as you go, kind of jewel or something like that. And so, um, <laughs> and so that's kind of how I've been, but it turns out they are carefully crafted works of art. And what you find as you study the Psalms is that there are many different kinds of psalms. Like for example, there are psalms of worship and praise, psalms that really worship God for who he is and what he's done and his leadership over creation, his king of the world and that sort of thing. And we worship him for who he is. And then there's other psalms that are psalms of thanksgiving, that we're giving thanks to God for what he's done in our life. There are other psalms that are written during the hard times when, when God seems distant and far and he's not speaking. And we've probably all been there. And, and those are called songs of lament. And then there are psalms that are written for special occasions, the coronation of a king, uh, a wedding feast, uh, a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, the pilgrims would sing. And so there's all these different kinds of psalms, but one of the psalms that we, uh, that the, uh, that one of the categories, it's one of my favorite categories, are called wisdom psalms. And these psalms are much like uh, the kind of the wisdom literature that we've been studying the last few months in the book of Proverbs. So in the book, in the Bible, you have what we call wisdom literature. And so Proverbs, Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, Job. And, and these, are, these are kind of literature that tells you this is the way life works and this is how to live life to the fullest. And, and this is how who God is and who you are. And how, how, so it's, they're called wisdom literature. And, and actually it turns out there's a lot of psalms that are wisdom psalms. And so it's much like the book of Proverbs. There's a path to life, there's a path to death, so choose wisely. And so today, as we start off, we're going to start off today with Psalm number one, which is a kind of the entrance to, the, to, the, to all of the Psalms. It's like, think of it like a gateway, like a passageway into this whole room called Psalms. And the book of Psalms is actually, there's 150 Psalms. They're divided into five separate books or collections. But what's interesting is when the editors put the Psalms together in the final form that we have, they chose this Psalm to lead the way because this Psalm is all about the path to life, the path to death, and what it takes to experience the life God has for us. And so, so it's a perfect Psalm to enter into the book of Psalms, but it's also a perfect Psalm for us as a church because we step out of Proverbs, the path to life, the path to death, there's a kind of bridge on over to the book of uh, Psalms, and we're gonna talk about the path to life and death today and enter into this whole new journey we have over the next eight months as we kind of look over the shoulders of these incredible spiritual leaders as they teach us what it looks like to live life the way it's meant to be lived and as they come alongside and they get to show us what it looks like to have a passionate, a life-changing, uh, authentic relationship with God that changes our lives and the lives of those around us. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 1. And we will jump in. We're going to cover the verses, it's only six verses, and cover the passage. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about kind of the principles for our lives. So let's jump in. In verse one, it says, blessed is the man. Now, let's stop there. For those of you who have been here at Rocky Peak for a little while, you know this. We talk about this, that in the Jewish culture of the Bible, 
that when they want to talk about the blessed, the kind of the kind of the life as it's meant to be lived, uh, what we would call the path of fulfillment or kind of happiness, the, the, the truest sense of the word. So, so life as it's meant to be lived, they talk about it as the blessed life. It's life lived under the blessing of God. And so it starts off, the topic of this psalm is how do you live life the way it's meant to be lived? How, how are you successful in life? What's the path to life? What's, what's, how do you prosper in life? How do you live the life God has for you? And so it starts off and it says, blessed is the man who does a couple things. There's one thing he doesn't do and there's one thing he does do. So here's what he doesn't do. He does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, as this man or woman walks through their life making decisions, they don't make their decisions based on the culture around them, based on the values, the lifestyle, the decisions, the models of those who are far from God. And so they, they say, no, that's not how I'm gonna live my life. I don't live my life in the counsel of the wicked. I don't stand in the way of sinners. And notice throughout this Psalm, we're gonna see this metaphor of a way. There's a way to life, there's a way to death, there's a way to the righteous, there's the way of, uh, the, uh, of sinners. And so we're not, we don't stand in the way of sinners, we don't sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, so he doesn't, he doesn't take his cues in life from the culture around him, but instead, uh, his delight, what he does do, his delight is in the law of the Lord, what, what we would call the word of God, what we call today Bible. Now, of course, when this Psalm was written, the whole Bible wasn't written yet, right? So we have more of the word of God than they had then, but that's what he's referring to, the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates when? When does he meditate? Day and night. So in other words, that that the mark of this blessed man is that he doesn't take his cues from the world around him, but he really presses into God and says, God, how am I supposed to live life? And then he presses into God's word and he takes it seriously and he studies it, he reflects on it, he meditates on it, he memorizes it because he wants to know the path to life. And let me just say this, quick little sidebar. Sometimes in Christian circles, we think the reason we're to, uh, we're to kind of study the word of God or to memorize the word of God is that somehow it gives us kind of like spiritual brownie points or somehow it's like, you know, a verse a day keeps the devil away or something like that. Like we can check it off in the morning. Hey, I read my Bible. It will be a good day now. You know, God will be with me. And, and that's not really it. The idea is, is that God has given us this, this roadmap to life. He's given us this, this book that tells us this is the way to life. And so the reason we read it is so we can follow directions and we, we kind of get to the place we want to go. And so he goes on and he says, uh, verse uh, three, that this man then who turns away from the counsel of the world, but he turns to God and to his word for his direction, then he becomes like a tree. Now, this is a common metaphor in the Bible. You've often seen it. Often the Bible compares our life to a tree. We can be a tree that thrives or we can be a tree that withers. We can be a tree that bears good fruit. We can be a tree that bears bad fruit. And so he says, this man, because he turns away from this counsel of the wicked and because he turns to God and follows his advice, he says that he is a tree that thrives. He's planted like a tree planted by streams of water who yields its fruit in season, very productive life, and whose leaf doesn't wither. I mean, even during the, the drought times, he's doing fine because his roots go deep into this riverbed. And, uh, and whatever he does, what does it say? Whatever he does, prospers. And so I want you to catch this. We'll come back to this today. 
But this is a psalm that is telling you how to prosper. This is a psalm that's telling you how to live the blessed life. And I want you to catch this. As God's children, as men and women who've come into a relationship with, with God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that God loves us passionately. And he wants us to be successful. And so the reason he's given us his word is because he wants us to be successful. It's gonna lead to the path of life. And so then he says next, in verse four, he says, okay, so that, that's the righteous man, right? That's the guy, the guy who's listening to God. What about the other side? What about the wicked man? What about the man who, who uh, kind of does listen to the counsel of the wicked, who does stand in the way of sinners, who does sit in the seat of mockers? What happens to his life? Uh, he's not like a tree, what's he like? Well, he says, not so the wicked, they are like the chaff uh, that the wind blows away. And so, you know, in ancient times, they would, they would raise the grain and then they would beat the grain, thresh the grain to separate the kernel from the husk around. And then they take it out into an open field or a hilltop. And they throw it up in the air where the wind is blowing and the wind catches the chaff that's worthless and blows it away. So the grain that's valuable falls. And so he says, this is like the wicked, like when they get through their life, their, their life is really empty. It's vain. It's, it's, gonna, it's blown away by the winds of life. There's no value there. And he says then at the end of time, at the final judgment in verse uh, Verse five, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous for the Lord. And remember in the Hebrew, uh, whenever in our Old Testament, whenever we have the word Lord capitalized all the way across, what does that mean? Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah, it's a personal name. So if you're reading in the Hebrew Bible, it says for Yahweh. Uh, it doesn't say the Lord. It says Yahweh, the personal name of God. And so he says, for, the, for Yahweh watches over the way of the righteous. Uh, the reason life goes well is because God is over them, leading, guiding, protecting, providing. In fact, in the Hebrew, it doesn't actually say the Lord watches over. What it literally says is the Lord knows. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. And so in Hebrew, that word is a very rich word. It can speak of a very intimate knowledge. Like often when a man sleeps with a woman, it says that the, that man knew, knew his wife, right? So it's a very intimate kind of knowledge. And so he says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous. So think of Jesus in the New Testament, where Jesus says, when we come into a new relationship with God through Jesus, that God becomes our father. And remember what he says in Matthew 6, and so when you pray, you don't have to go on and on because your father knows what you are gonna say before you say it. Remember that? And then later on in that passage, he says, and don't worry about your life, what you will put on, what you'll eat, what you wear, for your father knows what you need. And he says, the father knows how many hairs are on your head. And so this is what he's saying here, is that, that when we're pursuing God and in relationship with him, that he is intimately aware of the details of our life and he's watching over in that sense. He says, but on the other hand, the way, and notice this metaphor, the way, the way, the way, the way of the wicked will perish. And so there's the way of the righteous, there's the way of the wicked. And he says, the key then, the key to our success in life is not to take our cues from the culture around us, from their values, from their lifestyle, from their modeling, from their decision-making, but take your cues from the word, okay? So, so that's the passage, we're all there, we, we got it? So pretty straightforward. Now here's what we wanna do. In the time that we have left, what I wanna do is unpack this. I wanna kind of highlight the one key principle that flows out of this psalm that we really need to nail down. And then secondly, we wanna come back and get really practical and talk about our lives. How are we doing in light of that principle? So there in your note sheet is a section called the first psalm, the path to life. And let's just lay it out very straightforward. It goes like this, that the law of the Lord 
Yeah, turn your page. Um, the law of the Lord is our map to life. Okay, that's the big picture principle, that, that if, we're, if life is a journey, right, if life is a journey, that the law of the Lord is our map. It's our map to life. And so uh, you see this, for example, in verse one. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Skip down to verse two, but his, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And day and, day and, day and night he meditates. And so, so what I want you to catch here, one of the things this psalm assumes is God is for us and not against us. Okay, what, well, this psalm assumes that. It's built on the foundation. God is for us. He's not against us. And we've already talked about this. Something. God is passionate about you. If you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've come into a relationship with God as your father through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, that God is now over your life. He's passionate about you and he loves you deeply and he wants you to succeed. And so he's given us, he says, this journey of life, he's given us a map. And he says, this is the path to life. So follow this, I love you, I want you to be successful, I want you to prosper, so here is the map. Now, notice what he calls it in, in this verse, it's called the law of the Lord. And I wanna talk about that phrase for just a minute. Because in the Hebrew, like I said, it doesn't really say law of the Lord, it's not a bad translation, but what it actually says, it's the Torah of Yahweh. It's the Torah of Yahweh. Now, does that, does that word Torah, does that sound familiar? Yeah, what does it sound like? Like Torah, right? That's how we'd say it in English, Torah. And, and if you, you come from a Jewish background or you have a Jewish friend or you've seen a Jewish movie or something like that, uh, you, you, you know this, you know, like, like fiddle on the roof, something like that, that, um, that, that the Old Testament in, in Jewish circles is called what? It's called the Torah, especially the first five books, the laws of Moses, the Torah, okay? And so, um, but, but in Hebrew, the word Torah, it, what it literally means is it means instruction or it means teaching, okay? That's what it means. So, so what it's saying here is that the man who's successful is a person who embraces the instruction or the teaching of Yahweh, okay? That, that's the path to life. Now, this of course is a common teaching throughout the Bible, that, that God's word is like, uh, leads us in the path of life. Um, I think one of my favorite passages, very similar to this passage here in Psalms, is in Joshua. And if you remember, uh, Joshua starts off, uh, Moses has just died, he's led the nation out of Egypt, but they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. The one thing Joshua has not been able to do is lead them, I mean, Moses has not been able to do is lead them into the promised land. And so Joshua comes along, God chooses him, so this is your assignment, lead this nation into the promised land, take the cities, it's a military assignment. And so, so Joshua is intimidated by this. I mean, he's following in the footsteps of the greatest leader in their history, and he has the toughest assignment, the assignment that even Moses couldn't uh, come through on. And so he's feeling very intimidated. So in this context, God speaks into his life a word of power and challenge and encouragement. And there in your note sheet, we have it. It's Joshua 1, verse 69. And so here's what he says. He says, be strong and courageous because you will lead this people to inherit the land. You're gonna be successful. I'm with you, you will succeed. And then he says, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the Torah. Okay, that's in Hebrew, all the Torah. Uh, that, my, that Moses, my servant, gave you. And so catch this. At this point in time, their Bibles were very thin, all right? 
At this point in time, if you had a copy of the Bible, of course it'd be a scroll, but if you, have a, if you had a copy of the Bible and it was like our Bible, it'd be very thin because it would just be the opening five books of Moses because God had revealed himself to Moses. God had written down that revelation. That was the Torah of Yahweh. That's all they had at that time. And so what, what God is telling him is, okay, the key to your success as you move into this promised land is to, be, to follow the Torah of Moses, what God has revealed in his word. And so he says, uh, be careful to obey all the Torah that my servant Moses gave you. And catch this, do not turn from it to the what? The right or the left. Okay, and so, so this is the challenge in our lives, isn't it? This is a challenge that we have the Torah of Yahweh. We have the word of God, but the temptation in our lives is always to turn to the right or left, right? We've all been there. We've all been there when the Torah of Yahweh says, this is the way, walk ye in it. And we're saying, but that doesn't make sense to me. Or that really, uh, I don't wanna go that way. That seems hard. That will be painful or I don't want, and so we've all been there, right? And this is the, the temp, core temptation of our life is, is we get to those key intersections on this journey of life where the Torah of Yahweh says, this is the way, walk ye in it. The core temptation of our life is to say, you know what, I appreciate that God, but I think I know better than you in this situation. I realize you're extremely bright, you're extremely powerful, you're extremely knowledgeable, and I know you love me, but in this particular situation, don't take it personally, I think I know better, right? So, so that's the core temptation of our life. And so he says, Joshua, don't make that mistake. And then he goes on and he says, um, so don't turn for the right or left so that you may be what? Successful wherever you go. Can we say that together? Successful wherever you go. And so what, I wanna highlight this again. Do you understand this? That God loves you and he wants you to be successful wherever you go. Like he's for you, not against you. And he says, that's why I've given you this book. Follow the book, Joshua, so you can be successful. And then he says, do not let this book depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night. So it's just what we saw in, in uh, Psalm 1. So that you may be careful to what? To do everything written. Now catch this. So God didn't give his word to us so we can memorize it, put it on plaques in our house and put it on our coffee shelf. That's not why the map is there. The map is there so we can study the map so that when we come to key crossroads in our life, we have dating decisions to make, we have marriage decisions to make, we have financial decisions to make. We have sexual decisions to make. We have spiritual decisions to make. The reason he's given us the map is so that when we're there, we will be ready to make that decision. Of course, the problem is if we've not studied the map, it may be too late when we get there to say, hey, let me take three weeks off here and study the map before I can make this decision whether I will go out with you or not. All right, so... Um, <laughs> So here we go. So he goes on and he says, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it and then you will be what? Prosperous and successful. Okay, so God is for us. He, he wants us to be successful. He wants us to live the blessed life under his blessing. He wants us to be happy in the truest sense of the word. This is what the, the scripture says from beginning to end. He loves us passionately, but the key is that we need to follow the map 
don't turn from the right or the left. So the question then becomes, is that in our life then, then how are we doing in this area? And so there in your note sheet, you have a section called the path to life, are you on it? And so I want to just throw out four quick questions to help you assess your life and relationship to the map. Now, can I tell you that honestly, some of these challenges, some of these questions are gonna be very challenging. And I can almost guarantee you, because I've gone through two services, that, that, that some of you are gonna leave very convicted, right? It's gonna be, this, the, today is gonna be a hard word for many of you, but it's a very good word. It's a hard word, but it's a good word because it really is the path to life. And so, so I'm gonna press you some today. Uh, I'm gonna come on strong today. I'm warning you of that, but it's because I love you and I'm passionate about where we're going as a church and where we're going uh, in your life, right? Because we, we are called to this high life, right? We are called to an amazing life and I don't want any of us to miss it because we're not clear or I'm not clear on, on the way there, all right? So here we go, number one. The first question is, the first question is what is the word to you? Now, this is sort of a foundational question, but let me explain what I mean. It's very clear in this psalm what the word is to this psalm writer, right? To him, it is the Torah of Yahweh. In other words, God has spoken through Moses and he has written down this word and this psalm writer has absolute confidence that this really is the word of God, that it's supernaturally inspired. It's not just the word of a man. It's not just the word of Moses. It's the word of God through Moses. And so this word can be trusted. It is the word of the Lord, right? And it has absolute authority in our life. And so the psalmist is clear. Now, of course, this is kind of the, the Bible's view of itself all the way through. All through the Bible, the view is that God has spoken supernaturally to certain prophets, priests, kings, through his son, Jesus, through apostles in the New Testament, and that this record of this word is in his word in the Bible, and so that when we open this book up, that we are reading, as the apostle Paul says in Romans 3, the very words of God. Okay, that this book, as it says in 2 Timothy, and you'll study this in your life group homework, that it is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. That is the perspective of the psalmist. This is the Torah of Yahweh. Right? That's his perspective. Now the question is, what is this word to you? And on one level, I think it'd be easy for many of us, at least those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, we've come to Christ, we would say, well, yeah, I believe that. I believe it's the word of God. But the question I would ask you is, do you really? Because I think all of us have times in our life, there's certain verses that we love. We put them up on our houses. We put them on our walls, you know? You walk in and it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we put that one up. We love that verse. That's the word of Yahweh, right? But like I've never seen a plaque in anyone's house as you walk in and it says, love your enemies. <laughs> like I, it's like, like not really sure, you know? And so, and so we get into a situation in our life and you have someone who's betrayed you, someone who's ripped you off, someone who's lied about you, stolen from you, hurt you deeply. And, and all of a sudden we come to the, the Torah of Yahweh and Jesus says, uh, so love your enemies and pray for those who use you. And we go, oh, I'm not so sure on that one. Like, like I like this one over here. God works all things together for good. Let's put that one up. 
right? But this one about loving your enemies, uh, not so sure. I mean, if God really knew how they'd hurt me, I don't think he'd really ask me to forgive. I think forgiveness is in general a good concept, but in this specific illustration, no, I don't think so. You see what we do? And so often in our life, we pick and choose. We may follow him in our marriage, but not in our finances. We may follow him in our prayer life, but not in our sexual life. We, may, we, we often pick and choose. And the problem with this is that if this book really is the Torah of Yahweh, if it really is the word of God, if it really is a roadmap to life, and that you follow it some of the time, but not all of the time, it means that you're gonna come to some critical decisions in your life and you're gonna make the wrong turn, you're gonna turn for the right or the left and you're gonna end up in a ditch, right? Or you you may end up with your life totaled, not because there's certain parts that you believe, but there's certain parts you didn't really believe, you didn't take it. And so as we start, the first question is, what is this word to you? Is it the Torah of Yahweh or do you feel like some of it is the Torah of Yahweh, but some of it, well, it doesn't really apply today, doesn't really fit in my life, it's too hard, it doesn't make sense, I think I know better, and so I will listen to this part, but I will not listen to that part, you see? And when we do, we total our lives. We get off the path, we, we think, I, I can do a little off-roading here, put it in four-wheel drive, I've got a shorter distance between the routes, and all of a sudden we flip the, the, the car of our life and, and our life is in pain. Why? Because, because there was the word of Yahweh and it was the word of Yahweh about parenting. It was the word of Yahweh about, about uh, marriage or finances or sexuality or choices or forgiveness. And we, we, we ignored that word of Yahweh. And then all of a sudden we're not on the path of the blessed life. We're, we're on the path of the wicked in that area. You see? Okay, number two. The second question the second question is, how is your hunger for the word? Now, this is gonna challenge some of you. It's gonna challenge some of you, and, and just remember that I love you, all right? So don't forget that, no matter what happens from this point on. <laughs> no matter what happens, that I love you dearly, and I only want God's best for your life. So here we go. Roll up the sleeves. Uh, how hungry, how hungry are you for God's word? And so one of the things we learn in this psalm is that one of the marks of the man or woman who is truly on the path to life, one of the marks is that they are passionate about God's word. They have delight in God's word. And so you see this in verse two, uh, where it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates daily life. So notice what it says. It doesn't say that his duty is the law of the Lord. Now there's, there's a lot of things in life we do that are good for us that we hate doing, right? Like for example, I work out and, and I hate it. And when people hear that I work out, they, they say, oh, do you really enjoy that? I assume that if I, if I do it regularly, I enjoy it. It's like, no, I hate it. I, I hate it. There's nothing about, listen, it's a great, I, look, I love having worked out. That's what I love. I love having worked out. I don't enjoy the process. It's like, like you, know, you, you know what I'm saying? Like those people out there are like, oh, I love running. Then that runner's high kicks in. Man, I've run a lot of miles in my life. I've never experienced that high, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh, the endorphins kick in. It's called pain. Pain <laughs> kicks in, you know? About the sixth mile. No, I've done, I, I mean, I've not done 26, but I've probably done 13 or 14. And I'm telling you, if you can't get high by that point, it's like too long. <laughs> It's like, 
Like you can't sell a product, you get high on the 18th mile, you know? And so there are things in life, like we eat our broccoli, right? We, we, we uh, work out. We, there's certain things you do because it makes you better. And, and I get that, right? But, but that's not what he's saying. He's not saying this man reads the word and meditates on the word because he realizes it's good for him, even though he hates it, it's good for him. It's not what it says. <clears throat> what does it say? It says he delights. Can we say it again? He what? He delights, like, like he loves this. He loves the word. He can't get enough of the word. And, and so one of the marks that we're on the path to life is that we delight in the word. We, we love the word. Now you see this throughout the Psalms. Like in Psalm 119, which is a Psalm we won't study in this series, but it's a Psalm you'll look at in your life group homework this week. Uh, in Psalm 119, uh, it's, it's an amazing Psalm. And I, I wanna do a little sidebar here real quick. Remember how I talked about how the Psalms are carefully crafted works of literature? I wanna give you an example of that. Psalm 119 is the longest Psalm in the Bible. It's the uh, longest chapter, it's 176 verses, but that's not random. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And Psalm 119, the way it's organized, if you ever study it, you'll see it, but it's very obvious, that it's studied, it says 22 sections of eight verses each. And in the Hebrew, if you're reading in the Hebrew, each of the eight sections, it's called an acrostic psalm, because each of the eight sections starts with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So for example, the first eight verses in Psalm 119, every verse starts with the letter Aleph, which is like an A in the Hebrew alphabet. So it's Aleph, 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 Aleph. Every verse starts with Aleph. When you get to the second stanza of eight verses, Every verse starts with bait, which is like our B. When you get to the third stanza, every verse starts with the letter gimel, which we don't have a gimel, but they have a gimel. And, and it's a great thing to have a gimel in your life. But uh, anyway, uh, and so, I mean, are you kidding me? Are you seriously, like, how hard was it to write this song? Are you going to think through, I mean, 176 verses in acrostic order? I mean, this is... And it's all about the power of God's word. And so when you get to verse uh, 119, here, here's an example. Here's a psalmist writing about God's word. And he says, oh, how I what? Love your word. Not, not how I, is my duty to study, but I love your word. I meditated all day long. It's just like Psalm 1. Your, your commands make me wiser than my enemies for they're ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders for I obey. So what's he saying? I love your word because when I'm in your word, God, I experience your presence. I experience you opening my eyes to the truth about life and I just, the wisdom flows. It's such a powerful experience I have when I'm in your word and I'm passionate about you. I love your word. And you've probably had times in your life where you're reading the word and it just comes alive and it's just like, man, I love this word. It's just so powerful in my life. And so uh, the question is, at this point in your life, how hungry are you for the word? Like right now in your life, how hungry are you for the word? Uh, because here's what I found over time is that our level of hunger for the word is often a great indicator of our overall spiritual health. Like the word is like a thermometer. You stick it under our tongue and you see how hungry we are for the word and it tells you how, how hungry we are for God. 
It tells you kind of the, the temperature of our spiritual life. And so the closer we're walking for God, the more likely you'll have a hunger for his word. The further we are from God, the less likely you'll have a hunger for God. And so this is often like our physical lives. Like one of the marks of physical life that when we're healthy is we have a healthy appetite, right? Some of us have too healthy of an appetite, but it's a mark of health. And so one of the marks of being sick is that we often lose our appetite. And it's the same way spiritually, is that when we're drifting from God, we, we begin to lose our appetite for the word of God. And so Jesus talks about this. Like when he's out in the wilderness, remember being tempted by Satan, uh, and, and Jesus was kind of the ultimate, uh, like for him, the word of God was the word of God. It was definitely the Torah. And you see this all through his life in teaching. You know, he says in Matthew chapter five, not one jot or tittle, like a, a kind of a little mark from the Hebrew text, will, will leave God's word until it's all been fulfilled. In John chapter 10, he says, the word cannot be broken. I mean, for Jesus, the word of God was the Torah of Yahweh. And, and so it's the ultimate authority in his life. And you see that when he's tempted in the wilderness with Satan, that when Satan comes to that final blast of temptations, Jesus goes right to the word. And that's his weapon. It's his authority. And so in his very first temptation there on your note sheet in Matthew 4, he quotes from Deuteronomy 8. And he says, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, the way we're wired as human beings, we have physical needs and we have spiritual needs. And our physical needs are, are met by bread. That's how God has designed the human body to work, that bread ought to work on food, okay? But that our spiritual lives were fed by the word of God and nothing else can meet that deepest need of the human heart is that word from God, that inter interaction, that connection with God that comes through his word. And so the question is, at this point in your life, how hungry are you for the word? And so let me, let me lay it out. Like for example, when it comes to our weekend services, are you hungry to get here? Like and when you come, do you have your Bibles and, and, or your, your iPads or your phones or whatever you're reading the word? And, and, and when it comes time for the teaching, are you coming with expectation? that you want to hear from God and you expect to hear from God and you got your pen out and you got your note sheet out unless you're not a note taker and then you're off the hook but you're, you got your note and you're ready to go and you're, you're ready to learn and God meets you here on the weekend on a regular basis. That's the way it should be and if it's not happening then why isn't it happening? Right? And in our own life, like when you go to your life group, are you going with expectancy? And are you doing your homework ahead of time so you have something to share in this spiritual potluck that we're, we're doing every week? And, and are you coming and are you learning from one another? Are you hungry? And in your time alone with God, are you, do you have time every week that's alone time with God where you're in his word and you're hearing his voice? Is there a hunger in your life for God? Is there a hunger to hear him speak into your life and do you hear his voice through your word? Or, or would you say, Mike, if I'm honest, that's not the case. I'm hungry for everything else in my life, but I'm not hungry for God and I'm not hungry for his word. I'm hungry for entertainment and I'm hungry for music and I'm hungry for, for uh, other books and, and magazines and, new, and I'm hungry for the NFL and I'm hungry for video games and I'm hungry for shopping and I'm hungry for all these things. I'm so hungry, but, but these other hungers are squeezed out. Like I'm not really hungry for the word. And so here's what I'd say. I'd say, if that's the case in your life, 
something is wrong. Something is wrong because as a follower of Jesus, you were designed to live on the word of God. And can I tell you something, that, that none of these other hungers in our life can ever satisfy the deepest hunger of our life. And we will always go hungry. And can I tell you this, that God loves you and he's designed you for success and he's designed you to prosper you and he wants to bless you, but that is gonna come through his work. You are created for something more. If you are living to where the deepest hungers of your life are just for the things of this life, can I tell you something? You are living life on a physical level and not a spiritual level and God has so much more for you. You were created for something great. And that greatness comes when God speaks into your life. And that's what it's about. And that's why Jesus died. And that's what he's created you for. And that's what it's all about. And if that's not happening, I wanna say something is wrong. Something is wrong. You are living level, you are living life at the wrong level and God has something more for you. Let me take it one step further. One of the things we learn in the word is that God speaks when we're ready to listen. And, and what I find is that if there was a time in your life when the word was alive to you and it was powerful and you were hungry to grow and learn, or maybe you've never really experienced it, you've kind of wanted that but never experienced that often the reason why it's no longer that way is because at some point along the way, God spoke and you chose not to listen that God said, this is not the way for your life. You're off the path, change direction. And you said, I don't wanna hear that. And you stuck your fingers in your ears and you turned away and said, I don't want to hear what you have to say. And guess what? He stopped speaking that day. Because God only speaks to those who are willing to listen. And here's what I found. When we get down on our knees and we come before God and say, God, I want to be hungry for you. I want to know you. I want to pursue you. I want to live for something that really matters. I want you to fill my life. I want you to watch over my way. I want you to speak and lead and guide and provide. I want to come alive. I want to live for life that really matters. When that point comes and we are willing to follow and we are willing to listen, God begins to speak again and his word begins to come alive, and you will come in here, and you will be one of those people that, that you'll be saying, I feel like every week the message is for me. You'll be one of those people, and you'll be one of those people that when you come to life group, you're excited to come because you have something to share. God showed you in your word, and you'll be one of those people that you're, you're, you're listening to a song on the radio, and God speaks through that song in your heart. You'll be one of those people that a friend shares a book with you, and it transforms your life. You'll be one of those people because God loves you, and he wants to prosper you, and he wants you successful, but he is just waiting until you're ready to listen. Does that make sense? Hey, church, can I say something? God has called us to something amazing. He has died to give us life. And he is waiting for us to be ready to follow. And when a man or woman gets serious with Jesus, then what happens is what happens with the apostle Peter when all the crowds were leaving on the bread of life sermon day and, and, and Jesus said, well, you leave too. He said, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
And, and so what Jesus says then later in John, John 17, is he says that I have come that they might have life. And he says, this is life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ who you've sent. And then later in that passage, he says, Father, would you sanctify my men by the truth? And he says, your word is truth, you see? And so it's through the word that God meets us, it's through the word he shapes us, it's through the word he transforms us. And if there's not a hunger for the word in our life, it shows us by definition, we are not on the path to life. Something is wrong. And so we need to come back and we need to humble ourselves and we need to go before him and ask him to fill our life with a passion for him again because it's something you can't create and I can't create. No human being can create a love for God. It's a supernatural thing that only the Holy Spirit can do, but he does it in those who are hungry for it and ask him for it, okay? And so that's number two. Now here's the third question then. The third question is, are you actively pursuing the word? And so we see this in verse two of Psalm, and we saw it also in Joshua, that this person who's on the road to life, that he, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates, what's it say, he meditates what? Day and night, in other words, he, he's taking this seriously, and we, we learned about this, that this is not just gonna be spiritual or check off his box for the day, I did my little spiritual thing for the day, now God will be with me, but he's, he's doing this because he really wants to walk the path of life. And so he understands God's given us a map and I need to learn this map so that when I come to critical intersections in my life, in my marriage, in my business, in my, my relationship with my kids, a, a dating, whatever the thing is, that I'll be ready because I've studied the map. You know, Lynn and I were in uh, Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago and we were there for that conference on the poor with, uh, with uh, uh, World Vision. And it was a great trip. And so we flew out there. I knew I was going to have a little extra time. We were actually, we flew out right after church on Sunday, uh, left from LAX about three o'clock. And then we we're going to go through Dallas. So we we're going to get in late at night there. The plane was delayed. We actually got in four in the morning in DC. And so uh, I knew that I'd have a, a few hours because that conference didn't really start until six o'clock Monday night. And so so we'd have a few hours to explore. So we got in at four o'clock in the morning. And so we went to sleep. And, and so I woke up at 10 and Lynn was still sleeping. And I knew she wouldn't wake up until either Jesus came back or, <laughs> or until I came back. Right, Lynn? I love you. And so, uh, uh, and so I knew I had some time to, to play and explore. And so Fortunately, before I left, I'd ordered from Amazon a couple maps, a map of Washington, D.C., a map of the subway system. And on the way there on the plane, I'd actually pulled those out and I'd study that because I knew that I'd have very limited time in D.C. I hadn't been there in years. I had limited time. I wanted to get oriented. I wanted to make the most of my time. And so, man, I got up, then threw my clothes on. Uh, I, I'm out the door. I'm heading down seven or eight blocks from the closest subway station. I'm jumping on the subway, get this subway, transfer here, transfer there. Love subways. Feels like you're in Europe. And so just... Uh, uh, so I'm kind of pretending it's Paris. And, and so uh, uh, and then I came out and I wasn't. But uh, anyway, so boom, boom, boom. And I, I'm like, I'm Twittering. I'm doing, I'm tweeting while I'm going. And then all of you, a lot of you are jumping on my Facebook. Hey, check out Arlington Memorial. Don't miss the changing of the guard. I'm like, oh, good idea. Thank you very much. And so I'm heading to uh, Arlington. I've never been there before. And just a great place. I go get to see the changing of the guard. I come back, go to the mall, uh, not the shopping kind, but you know, the, the Memorial Mall. And, and so, you know, go catch out this monument, check out this monument. Never seen the Vietnam. I just got to see that. I, I'm checking out all this stuff. And then Lynn calls, hey, I'm up. Okay, I'm on my way 
back. And so boom, I'm back. And so in a short amount of time, I've got this awesome day of sightseeing in about three or four hours. I mean, I just knocked it out, had an awesome time, great time communicating with a lot of you. Thanks for the help. And, and so uh, fantastic time, right? But, but why was that possible? It was all because of the map, right? Because I'd taken the time to study the map and tell me, let me tell you, all day long, I'm like, now where am I? And where am I supposed to go? And where do I wanna go next? And how do, what's the best way to get there? Like all day long, the key to my success was the map. But catch this, God has given us a map, right? You wanna know how to do marriage? There's a map. Do you wanna know how to raise kids? There's a map. Do you wanna know about finances? Here's a map. You wanna have purpose and joy in your life? There's a map. You wanna know how to share Christ with your friends? Here's a map. Do you wanna know how to make a difference? There's a map. I mean, he's given us the map, but we've gotta consult the map. Right, so what good would have done if I got up that day, I bought the two maps from Amazon, never checked it out in the plane, stick them in my backpack and I just head out. Well, I'm good to go, I've got the map, right? Now some of you guys have done that, right? Cause you know, how we, you, know, you know how we are with maps typically. I've been converted, I'm now a map reader. Jesus has done an amazing job in my life. But, uh, it, but, right, but like, what good would it do to have the map, but not study the map? And yet, isn't this exactly what we do? Like, in fact, in fact we got, we've got our map, and we got our map, you know, we got our spiritual maps, right? We got, we got our map on our iPad, map on our iPhone. We got map applications. We, we got map on our book stand, our book, our, 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 uh, by, by the side of our bed. We've got our maps on the coffee shelf. We got different versions of the map. Right, we, we, got, we even have little map holders. We come to church carrying our little map holder, <laughs> right? Kind of pink with frills for the women, some of the women, you know, manly leather for the men, gotta protect the map. We got different versions of the map. We've got the celebrate, we got the recovery map. We've got the archeological map. We got the study map. We've got men's maps and women's maps and teenage maps. We all have our maps. But the question is, are we studying the map? Right? That's the question. Are we actively pursuing? So let me get real practical. Uh, so in your life. So for example, first of all, I'll start with basics. Uh, are you coming to church every week? Because that's what we do. Every week we gather around the word to say, this is our path to life and what does it tell us? And every week we're gonna do that here. And so are you here on a regular basis? And when you're not here, do you podcast us? Do you keep up with us on this journey that we're taking? How about uh, in your small group? Are you taking advantage of that, your life group? Are you in a life group? And then if you're in a life group, uh, are, you, are you taking advantage? Are you, you doing your homework seriously? Not like on the way there writing, you know, the alphabet just so it looks like you have something going on. Uh, <laughs> Are you, uh, uh, and you're, are you spending time with God one-on-one -on -one during your week? Do you have some regular times you're connecting? And here's the thing. The, the, the question I, I have for you is the choice is really yours. I mean, in Psalm 1, just lay out the choice is yours. There's a path to life. There's a path to death. And, and so which one do you want on? And, and so if you want to be successful, here's, here's the path. And so do you, do you need to make any changes in your priorities? I realize this is hard. Life is busy. Yeah, absolutely. Man, but we have time for the NFL, don't we? Uh, ooh, eight hours, baby. Eight hours. It's always like, like, you know, I'm too busy for the word. Just too busy. I don't, you know, it's like, we can go shopping, you know, all day. Don't really buy something. We're just looking. 
You know, but oh, no time for the word. You see what I'm saying? It's like men and women, we do what we want to do. We do what we want to do. And so is that a priority in our life to, to time for the word? And, and, and for some of you may have said, you know, Mike, I, I just want, like when I'm at church and you're explaining or Joel or Dave, whatever, it's all making sense. And that, but I'm just not a reader and, and on my own, it's just not really clicking. I get that. It's not the easiest map in the world to, to read. I get that. And so that's why as a church, we've created this, our very first essential course was this course called Pursuing God One-on-One. And a lot of that course is about how to read the Bible on your own in a way that makes sense to you. You can connect in the way you're wired and God can speak to you through his word. And so that, that is the, the very first essential we just put online, our very first online course. They're free of charge. You can go on. Uh, you can buy the books, download the note sheet. You're ready to go night or day. Do it at your own pace. But, but this is a tool that we felt so strongly about that we began to create these courses that we believe are absolutely essential for walking well with Jesus, that the very first one was pursuing God one-on-one. And so, and so the, the word is our path to life. The question is, is are you on that path? Let's pray together. <clears throat> God, we're just so thankful for... Uh, for your word and, and the way it challenges God, the way it, it shakes us loose, it doesn't let us be comfortable, it calls us back, it reminds us the truth about life, the path to life. And thank you for this incredible psalm that, that just serves as a gateway, an entrance, a doorway into all the psalms. And, and like over the doorway, it says right away that the path of the blessed life is the path of your word. And so we pray, God, that in our lives, we will listen and we will grow and we will change and we will make the choices we need to make. And, and while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I just want to give you time to reflect on this in your own life. Maybe God's spoken to you today and, and it's not so much you feel guilty. I don't know if that's a good thing. It's just you feel like God's speaking and he's calling you to something better. He's, he's like putting a hunger in your heart. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. He puts a hunger in your heart to rise to something new, to, to do life a different way. And if that's there, I would just encourage you that as we go into this time of worship, this final song, that you would really pour your heart out to God and just ask him to come and do for you what you can't do for yourself. Like I said, we can't create a hunger for God or his word. It's supernatural. No amount of willpower or devotion or self-discipline will create a hunger for God in your life. That's something the Holy Spirit has to do. But it's something that he does when we ask, when we seek, when we knock. Uh, that we will find. And so in the quietness of this moment, as we go into worship, we're gonna sing a song about God's presence and how we long for his presence. In Psalm 16, David says, you've shown me the path to life and in your presence is fullness of joy. And that's what we're talking about today. And so I, I just encourage you as we take the offering, as we worship, that you'd make this your prayer as we as we covet and long and ask him for his presence in our life and our church. And God, we just come to you now and we ask in the name of Jesus that you would revitalize our life, you'd renew and change and shape and you'd meet us even now in this moment as we seek you together. We pray in Christ's name, amen. God, the words of that song are so powerful that it's possible to be alive physically, to not really be living, to satisfy the hungers of our, of our life, but not the deepest hungers of our soul. And God, we, we know that 
that when you speak, when you show up, when you reveal yourself, when you move in our life, God, that there's nothing like that. It's just absolutely nothing like it. There's something deeper, there's something stronger, there's something richer, that it satisfies the hunger of our life in the way that nothing on this earth can. And so God, we thank you for all the gifts in our life. We thank you for our daily bread and we thank you for our sports and our friends and our jobs and all the things that make this life what it is. We're so grateful for the way you blessed us. And yet, God, we recognize that there is something more, that, that without that more, that our lives do not have meaning. And so, God, we thank you for your word, your presence. We covet it. We covet as a church, God. We, we say with Moses, if you don't go forward with us without your presence, we don't want to go. And we don't want to go as a church. We don't want to go as individuals. We just, we want to be your men and your women. We want to be those people that you are watching over our lives, speaking, leading, guiding, shaping, empowering, using us to change this world. And so God, we pray as we start this new series that you would just speak over our lives, your word, the power, your word that causes the dead to rise and your word that, that caused the creation to spring into being. We pray you'd speak that word in our life. And you'd say to us, awake sleeper, rise from the dead, that Christ may shine on you. And so God, that's our hunger and that's our desire. We pray that you'd hear the prayers of our heart. You would hear the confession of the times that we've neglected. We've allowed other things to go before. You'd hear those confession. And then God, you would respond to us now richly and deeply. And you would do for us what we can't do for ourselves which is make us come alive to the things in life that really matter. Will you be with us this week as we take our steps, as we look to you to lead and guide us to how to be in your word, as we go to our life groups and we share what you're teaching, as we discuss what you've learned today, as we drive home on our car with our friends or our spouse, and we, we talk about what we learned, or we get on the phone, or we Facebook later, or we're, we're communicating. We just pray that you would create a community here. We're speaking life into each other as we share the lessons you've learned. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you, you're not leaving us alone. Thank you, you're not letting us settle for something less, but you're calling us to a higher level. And we pray that you'd, call, you'd, you'd empower us now to go out and live at that level by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I hope you can be with us next week as we continue this journey. Next week, we tackle one of my favorite Psalms. It's Psalm 25. I encourage you to read it several times this week. It's a psalm that talks about this relationship that God wants with us that I call two-way relationship, where we speak to him, but he speaks back. He speaks through his word. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through his Holy Spirit in aha moments, but he speaks. And it talks about God's desire to speak into our lives and to actually lead and teach us in a very personal way, and what the kind of people that we need to be to experience the voice of God in our life. And so encourage you to read that. Until then, may the Lord bless you and be with you. I love you. I'll see you next weekend. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.